All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking into my phone again, and that can only mean one thing. The Dane and Nick podcast is back, and oh, what a week it has been in Pac-12 hoops. If you're, a t- if you're a returning viewer, thanks for coming back as always. If you're new to the show, this is a Pac-12-based podcast. Um, obviously, it's March 1st, baby, which means March Madness, so we're going to be talking about college hoops today, and the general gist of the show is... We will have your favorite team covered in three minutes or less. Yes, all 12 teams, your favorite team. I get 90 seconds. Dane gets 90 seconds because you guys got lives. Our publishers got a life. And Dane and I got lives as well. So we'll get you in and out with some quick water cooler information. So as always, starting at the top here with my big three takeaways from the week. Um, UCLA is on a seven-game winning streak. Um, Huge results this week. Absolutely huge results. Uh, went over Arizona on a, on a, on a, uh, last night, and then they beat Arizona State on Thursday. So I believe they should be in the NCAA tournament. Um, Joe Lenardi may disagree with me, but I believe they should be in. Uh, big takeaway number two, there are seven teams who could still make the NCAA tournament out of this conference. It's probably going to be five or six, but seven is a real possibility, um, just kind of depending on how things shake out here in this last week or so. And the last takeaway is kind of, a broad spectrum analysis from the whole season. And uh, um, guess what, y'all? I just, Nick is confirmed in. So I'm the fifth man for a men's league team tonight. I'm about to go ball out. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to do the best I can, really. You know what I'm saying? Some of these guys are really big. All right. <laughs> That's the end of my rant. But um, big takeaway number three. Um, yeah, what an unpredictable year in the Pac-12. Yo, stop. Stop, people. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to redo this segment, y'all. It's perfect that I'm joining the game. I'm probably the smallest kid on the court, but it's perfect for them, so it's perfect for me. But all right, big takeaway number three. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so what an unpredictable year in the Pac-12. Um, point blank, uh, just a lot of different things, weird things have happened. Um, UCLA was supposed to be arguably one of the last place teams in conference. They're sitting in first. Uh, UW was projected to be top of the conference. They're sitting in dead last. And everything in between has been upbeat, off-bounce, off-the-wall, all over the place. So it's been a really fun and exciting year, and I'm excited to see how this starts off. Um, yes, I'm in for the men's league game. Stop texting me. The next, I don't want these popping up sounds during um, the rest of the podcast here. But with that from Seattle, um, getting you started off, and we're going to send it down to Dane in Arizona. Dane is the man with the plan. Always come up with facts. Write 722 articles a week. All right, Dane, get us started, bud. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, those weekly pieces that I do take a, a good amount of time, so anybody who reads those, it's uh, much appreciated. Um, but yeah, this week was a, a great week, um, just from an objective point of view. Uh, you know, USC did a, a big favor to themselves by winning both of their games. Same with UCLA, same with Stanford. Uh, the teams that hurt themselves the most, Arizona, Arizona State, in Colorado. Um, as Nick said, there could be potentially seven teams in the Pac-12 make it. Right now, I think if the tournament were held, um, all seven would get in. I think Stanford winning was big and UCLA winning was big. Um, for the Pac-12 race for the regular season crown, I think it's Oregon's to lose. They have two home games this week against the Bay Area programs, and if they win both, then they're your regular season champion. If they split and UCLA beats USC, then there's a shared championship. Um, 
So that's what it's coming down to this week. It's a two-horse race. The The big battle is for the third and fourth seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which will um, determine the buys, the final buys. And that's a wide-open race. There's so many. There's like five teams that are, are vying for that position. And this week is going to determine a lot. There's rivalry games. And um, so it should be great. This is about, you know, March Madness. It begins now. So uh, we're going to be starting with the Washington Huskies. We're going to be doing the whole north to south um, rotation this week. Other, In other words, we're starting with um, UW and WSU and ending the show um, with Arizona Arizona State. Um, actually, we'll be ending with Colorado and Utah, but they're kind of, yeah, they're just not north or south, so they throw off the vibe a little bit. But so back to UW. I'm glad I took up 22 seconds of their time. Bottom line is they're absolutely awful. Um on Friday, they lost to their rival WSU, and for them to lose to the Cougs twice, um, really, really, I think it's new lows for the program. Um, quite frankly, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, I was actually at this game live in Seattle, and uh, some analysis I was able to take away live that I may not be able to see on TV is their zone looks absolutely broken. That 2-3 is not what it used to be. Um, maybe Matisse Thibel made it really good last year, but... The Cougs were able to attack the high post, um, the short corner, pretty much at will. And the Cougs have a notoriously bad offense this year. Um, they can go on streaks where they seriously don't score for eight minutes. So um, if the Cougs are able to tear apart this zone, um, I think that pretty much every team in conference can and has, barring off their third and 13 conference record in the last place. Um, they haven't been the same since they lost point guard Quade Green. They're like, one, they're like two and like 500 since that happened. And uh, Mike Hopkins is not doing a good job as a coach, plain and simple. That's all I got in UW. Um, the round out their year, they're at Arizona State in Arizona. While the Huskies are having a bad season, um, I still think they're a pretty good team. Uh, obviously, Quade Green is, um, you know, his absence really hurt them, as Nick mentioned. But, I mean, for a three-win team in conference and a 13-16 and overall record, you know, they, they might be the best team in the country with that record. I don't think there's another team out there who only has three conference wins that's as good as Washington. Washington, you know, they've got talent and things just aren't going right for them. It's psychological at this point. And, you know, Jaden McDaniels, his attitude issues are, they were apparent at the beginning of the year and they've only grown as the season's gone on. I think he really regrets going to UW. He could have gone basically anywhere. And... It's just a, a bad situation up there overall. Isaiah Stewart, you know, he's still really talented, and they can still beat anybody in the conference, especially on a neutral court. So, um, as Nick mentioned, they finished the the season on the road against Arizona and Arizona State. We'll see how that happens or how that goes. But uh, when it comes to the conference tournament in Vegas, nobody wants to play Washington, and they can win a game or two. So, season's not over. But um, really, it's been a bad year, and we'll see how it affects them on the recruiting trail. The next team I'm going to be talking about here is, of course, uh, UW's rival, Washington State. So I'm sure you gathered in the previous segment on Friday, they beat the Huskies in a back-and-forth game. For the Cougs, this is the exact opposite of what it is for UW. So for WSU, um, this is a huge program-boosting win, especially in terms of recruiting. Um, two Seattle-led players for WSU um, and CJ Ellaby. And um, Noah Williams uh, actually 
were the two leading scorers for the Cougs. And so um, this could just be big for recruiting in the city of Seattle, where most of the top um, talent historically goes to UW. So this this could seriously um, prove wondrous for the WSU program as a whole. Obviously not this season, but in seasons moving forward. Um, we're at the point of the year. I mean, WSU 6-10 in conference, ninth place. So um, talking about them as a whole, um, barring some miraculous run in the Pac-12 tournament, their season is pretty much over. But um, there are some important things to note. Against the Huskies, CJ Ellaby at 21 points, 9 rebounds, 4 steals. Um, Isaac Bonton exploded in the second half and finished with 20 points. I believe he had like 18 in the second half himself. Um, I think this this program does show how far the programs come. Um, even though six and ten is not like a crazy you know mark for most programs, um, Ernie uh, under Ernie Kent the Cougs struggled to win six games ever in conference. So, and on a side note, CJ Ellaby is the third fastest Coug to score a thousand points. The recruiting aspect of the victory over Washington is an important point that Nick made that I would want to uh, reiterate. Uh, Wazoo landed a commitment. I think last month, maybe sometime um, in the middle of February from a, a Canadian uh, high school kid who's uh, pretty good. I don't think he's um, he has a star rating or anything like that, but he's probably a three-star that uh, might make some noise next year is uh, looking at his commitment and his stats and things like that. His prolific score will be a good, um, you know, somebody to come in after CJ Ellaby leaves. And um, for the Seattle recruits, obviously, whenever you're able to beat Washington, you know, two times in a row is big for recruiting uh, the city of Seattle. But um, other than that, the rest of the season, you know, they have their CBI that they're going to. So they've got some postseason to look forward to. And of course, in Las Vegas, anything can happen. And it's entirely possible that they could go on a big run and knock off a team or two out there in Vegas. So it might be a stretch to say that they could win the tournament. But, you know, who anything can happen there. And this season has been so crazy that it wouldn't be uh, the strangest thing if they were able to win um, the tournament. Though that seems unlikely. Uh, anything is possible. Isaac Bonton and CJ LB uh, work really well together. And anything can happen. The next thing I'm going to be talking about here is the Oregon Ducks. Um I was trying to think of something goofy to say, but I actually really want to talk about the Ducks a little bit more in depth this week. Um, when you're starting off the show with UW and WSU, postseason aspirations are obviously um, pretty much eliminated. But when you're talking about Oregon, um, 22-7 and overall, 11-5 and in conference, and sitting in second place. Um, they're already in the NCAA tournament, um, no matter what, essentially. So they the, on Thursday, they handled Oregon State be, um, pretty much destroying their rivals. It actually lost three in a row to the Beavers, so for them to snap that streak has got to feel good for the seniors and um, just really the program as a whole. No one likes to lose their rival three times in a row. On the game, Peyton Pritchard with 23 points, three assists, two steals. Will Richardson, 15 points and four rebounds. And um, so, I mean, if we're just being honest here, it's cool to beat a rival, but this game isn't really important. But again, it snapped the losing streak. So looking at the bigger picture here, um, they need to get Chris Duarte back. Um, his injury could loom large in a team that struggles to find scoring outside of Peyton Pritchard. And I think um, looking at Will Richardson and Chris Darte, those two are going to determine how far this team goes come NCAA tournament. Um, forget about the Pac-12 tournament. This team wants to do some, make some noise in the big dance, and uh, Peyton Pritchard's going to come to play. That's obvious. He's going to score like he's going to just do everything. But if Chris Duarte and Will Richardson do not drop at least 
I'd say 27 points combined, slightly under that 30 mark. This team's not going to go far in the tourney. I actually think Oregon has the best opportunity to make a deep run of any team in the Pac-12. I've actually said that since the beginning of the season, and it hasn't changed. They have the best overall record. They have by far the best non-conference performance, and they're the only team that's undefeated at home. And while they have been playing inconsistent at times, um, their roster is built for success in the NCAA tournament, mostly because of the senior Peyton Pritchard and the Hall of Fame coach Dana Altman. And so when you have those two combination, uh, you really have to find ways to lose. And, you know, they shoot well from three. They have big men inside and all their players are athletic. They can essentially match up with any team in the country. Their defense is that press zone, uh, which frustrates a lot of teams, puts a lot of pressure on the ball handlers, creates a lot of turnovers. They score a lot in transition. And, of course, like I said, they can hit from three in transition threes. So when they're playing well, they're one of the best teams in the country, no doubt. And they're probably going to end up with a four seed. I think they win the Pac-12 regular season title this week. I think they probably win it outright. I think UCLA loses and Oregon wins um, both their games this week. So Oregon will be your champion. And then they probably make the championship game. And I think they lose it to somebody. But I think they make the championship game in the Pac-12 tournament. So we're going to be looking at... um... The Oregon State Beavers, I don't know what, I just like zoned out <laughs> opening that segment up. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to be talking about the Oregon State Beavers, though. Uh, 15 and 13 overall, um, 5 and 11, uh, 11th place, 5 and 11 in conference. Um, also good for 11th place in the conference. Ouch. Um, as previously mentioned, they lost to their crosstown rival in Oregon last week. I think it encaps- encapsulates your season, their season as a whole, just really underperforming. Um, you know what? I guess I can, I'll talk a little bit about the stats because some players deserve some love here, but Trace Tinkle led the way with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Kyler Kelly got four blocks in the game and is one of 10 Pac-12 players in history to record the 200, to get to that 200 career block mark. Um, Ethan Thompson had 15 points and six rebounds, but I really wanted to rush through that so we could talk about um, Oregon State as a whole. I've mentioned this in previously in previous weeks, but there's nowhere else really to go with this. Head coach Wayne Tinkle's not getting the job done. That's the bottom line. This team has struggled and sputtered all year and just done everything bad and everything wrong, and they continue to do so. And I think this is really only because of Wayne Tinkle. Um, if you if you don't like follow Oregon State too cro- too closely, Trace Tinkle's an All Pac-12 type performer um, at the forward position. Kyler Kelly's a really tall, big center, and Ethan Thompson's a great scorer. So you should be able to have at least like eight and eight record in conference. Wayne Tinkle, you should be out. Following up with Nick's. Uh, comment about Wayne Tinkle. I feel a similar way. Um, they had a senior and upperclassman laden roster this year and one of the best players in the history of the conference. And they're sitting there at 5-11 and 11 in the Pac-12, 15-13 and 13 overall. And they had a pretty decent non-conference season with that early victory over Iowa State. But, you know, it just, I mean... If you look at the success these other teams have had from moving on, you know, to a new coach, look at UCLA this year, um, Washington State this year, California this year, I think that shows the blueprint of what a team can accomplish um, by moving on from from a coach. And it's one of those unfortunate things where, you know, it's performance driven, you know, industry and they're not getting the job done. 
with, despite the fact that they have the tools, apparently, um, to do it. So, uh, you know, his, his tenure there, he's gotten to one NCAA tournament. His son has been there most of his um, time there. And so if you take away Trey Tinkle, um, what is what has he accomplished there? Um, what has Wayne Tinkle done? And it's not much. So I think it's time for them to move on. And they could find somebody uh, from a mid-major who has a good system and can implement it um, you know, next season or the following season. So one of the teams um, that you're not going to probably think about a lot if you're a big-time Pac-12 uh, fan is the Cal Golden Bears, sitting at 13-16 and 16 overall, 7-9 and nine in conference, in eighth place, which um, is actually really impressive, barring um, Mark Fox, new head coach Mark Fox, entered this season. With pretty much nothing, um, to be quite frankly, uh, to be quite frank, I still think talent-wise, Cal's probably the worst team, top to bottom. And the fact that they have seven conference wins is truly impressive. And this week epitomizes just how far the program's come. On Thursday, they beat Colorado easily. Um, yeah, as a home win, but to beat a top twenty-five team easily is to beat a top twenty-five team easily. Um, their best player, Matt Bradley, at twenty-six points and six rebounds. Um, again, their first top twenty-five win of the season. And just, like, I don't know exactly what to say. Just a huge win. Um, really, really impressed by them. Uh, Matt Bradley got extra hot behind the line. He only shoots 39% on the season. But he was James Harden stepped back in all night last night. So cool to see that from him. Kareem South added 19 points, 4 rebounds. And Paris Austin with 12 points. And then on Saturday, they, fo- they followed that up with a nice win against the Utes at home. Um, sorry, both these games were at Berkeley, so yeah, at home. And, um... Yeah, they, they got the home sweep, defeating the Mountain Schools. Matt Bradley added 21 points and 5 rebounds. The sophomore is becoming an absolute stud. Five players finishing double figures against the Utes. And just, uh, what a weekend for Cal. These weekends are definitely going to help to build a program's reputation. Yeah, Cal's playing really well this season, uh, better than expected. I mentioned at the beginning of the year on this podcast that they were a sleeping giant when it comes to recruiting. And all Mark Fox needed was about a, a 500 season to get um recruiting jump started and they're sitting right now at 13 and 16 overall 7 and 9 in conference so that's exactly what he needed to get the recruiting going and um that program is on the upswing um the culture that he's instilled over this season is um impressive and they were able to you know get the sweep this week and again defend home court which they've done pretty well all year Matt Bradley is one of the best players in the conference, and it'll be interesting to see if he decides to go to the NBA at the end of the season. He um, likely tests the waters at the very least. He may pull his name out at the last um, possibility, which if I had to guess, that's what's going to happen. He comes back, but uh, he, he certainly has the potential to go pro at the end of the season, which if you're... Mark Fox, your goal um, in the immediate uh, time following this season is to talk to him as much as possible to see if he will come back because that'll make your team substantially better for next season. And if you're able to supplement it with a few transfers or uh, incoming freshmen, that's huge. So, of course, we're going to be talking about um, Cal's rival here in the Stanford Cardinal. 
19 and nine overall, eight and seven in conference. Uh, had a really interesting year. Got off that hot, got off to that really hot start. Um, actually took the lead in the Pac-12 and uh, kind of faltered as of recently. But last week they were able to grab a couple nice wins and uh, um, a couple nice wins against the Washington schools and regain momentum. So on Thursday they kept the momentum going. A uh, nice win against Utah. Um, Tyrell Terry, their point guard, got absolutely jiggy with it. He seriously looked like Steph. He was pulling up threes on the transition, off screens, everywhere, making hard shot after hard shot, looking great. Um, him and forward Oscar Da Silva form a really, really nice one-two punch. Um, Silva had 20 points and seven rebounds in the game. Uh, Terry ended up finishing with 27 points, by the way. But um, one thing I really want to point out, and I, again, this is one of those points I'm probably going to harp on here. Tyrell Terry does not get his teammates involved, and so he's actually putting a lot of pressure on himself. He only had one assist, and um, when you have a guy like Oscar Da Silva down low, uh, you should get three or four easy assists just getting him the ball and quick layups for a guy that talented and that skilled, especially since he can step away from the foot and hit the 15-footer. Easy pass, quick bucket. So I think Tyrell Terry is not grasping the full point guard um, point guard uh, passing aspect of the position. Um, in terms of his shooting, he's absolutely stud, so... And, uh, oh, really quickly on Sunday, they've not played Colorado yet, and they need to win this game to get in the NCAA tournament. This uh, segment's being recorded before that, so must win against Colorado. They're probably one of the last four teams out right now. They beat Colorado. There's a good chance to move into the last four teams in. Sorry, people. As you heard in the top, I got a men's game to play. I can't wait around all day. This podcast's going live, baby. We're going live, baby. That's what it is. All right. Yeah, Dane, just take over. That was some rant there. Thank you. The Cardinal did end up beating uh, the Buffs, so they're on a four-game winning streak. And um, behind UCLA are the hottest team in the Pac-12 right now. Um, they beat the Buffaloes by eight, and which is a very important victory for their um, NCAA tournament hopes. They're now 20-9 and nine overall, and you know they're right there on the bubble still. Um, they need to continue to win, I think, if they were to beat Oregon State this week. They are a lock, even if they lose um, their first game in the Pac-12 tournament. But if they don't beat Oregon State and they also lose to Oregon, they're going to need to win at least one game in the Pac-12 tournament to feel comfortable uh, on Selection Sunday. So there's a lot still ahead of them. And as if the tournament were held today or the Selection Show were held today, they would get an invite, but there's still you know two full weeks of the season left. Um, with the regular season uh, this week and then, of course, the following week is the Pac-12 tournament. So they're not out of the woods by any means. Um, They really um, played pretty well against Colorado. Um, And if you remember that game out there in Boulder, they were also winning for most of it until Oscar Da Silva got hurt and they kind of collapsed after that. So um, this was their first victory over Colorado. And I feel like a while they had... um, Nine losses to them out of the last ten games, I think. So they they're finally getting um, over the hump uh, against CU. U C L A U C L A. All right, whether you like them or not, thumbing back on top of the conference is very very important for the Pac-12. The historic, legendary, arguably the most historic basketball program in the country, more so than Duke, more so than Carolina, more so than Kentucky. The Bruins are back on top of the conference, and what a week it was for them, grabbing two monumental wins. And as I mentioned at the top, I believe they should be in the NCAA tournament now. Joe Lenardi, do you disagree? I don't know. So on Thursday, um, I'm going to get through these games quick. Um, 
Uh, again, we had to give him a nice little preface there. So on Thursday, Jamie uh, Walkes Jr. Um, hit a game-winning three against ASU and grabbed the Bruins their sixth straight win. Uh, one of the biggest conference games in this year, um, biggest conference games this year is hyped going in, and they hit a game-winning three when it mattered most, found a way to win. They're led by Jake Kyman, who had 21 points, six rebounds, and four of their players finished in double figures. And uh, point guard Tiger Campbell is really emerging as he finished with 10 points and 14 assists. He's the, te- he's the catalyst of this team. They have a lot of good players, but he's the catalyst. He moves the ball well. On Saturday, found a way to beat Arizona in the closing minutes. Um, looked like they were going to lose. Closed the game on a 10-2 run. Forced Arizona into multiple turnovers. They now have a seven-game win streak. Led by Chris Smith with 17 points and four rebounds. And uh, Mick Cronin sh- should be up for National Coach of the Year. You heard it here first. Cronin up for National Coach of the Year. The Bruins are the hottest team in the conference. Um, they're on their, their long win streak now. I don't even remember really the last time they lost. I think it might have been uh, against Stanford or something. But anyways, they are uh, playing fantastic. It starts with defense with them, and their offense has been clicking as of late. So when you have um, the good defense, which always travels, and a strong offense, you're able to win games. And they are, I think, projected to be in the NCAA tournament at this point. Joe Lenardi, I think, has them in sort of by default because they're the leader of the Pac-12, so he counts that as the automatic qualifier, even though you have to win the Pac-12 tournament to get that. That's just how Lenardi projects the winners of the conference tournament. So anyways, um, they need to continue to win. I've said in written pieces and on this podcast that they needed to win out, and they also needed to make the championship game of the Pac-12 tournament. I think that is still holds true. Um, they can't afford to lose this week to uh, USC, and they definitely can't afford to lose their first or even their second game in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so there's a lot still in front of them, but if they do beat USC on Saturday, they guarantee at least a share of the Pac-12 title, which is a, a big thing for them considering where they were just a month and a half ago. All right, I fit a lot of fast talking in that last segment because UCLA is doing great. We're going to have to do the same thing about the USC Trojans here. So 21-9, and 10-7 in conference, and sitting in fifth place. I believe this uh, past week weekend's results, I'm going with weekend, it just sounds better, um, should get them into the NCAA tournament for sure, my personal opinion. Um, on Thursday, huge win against Arizona. On Yekiagwayu, hit a three-quarter shot to end the first half, which is really cool. Just, I mean, he has, he had a three-quarter shot. He's throwing that in there for sure. Um, finished with 11 points and 10 rebounds. Um, three blocks as well. Jonah Matthews had 14 points and five rebounds. And just a nice, slow, grinded-out type victory for the Trojans. Um, this is what I believe they're best at. If you, um, between Og- Ogweyu, Rikikovic, and Isaiah Mobley, they seriously have enough size and talent to win games against any team in the country. They have a lot of size and a lot of skill. But in terms of their guard plays, they need consistent scoring from Jonah Matthews and Daniel Utomi. I think if these two um, could actually score consistently in the tournament, um, I'm talking NCAA tournament here, I believe this team could actually make a deep run. I'm talking like Sweet 16, probably not Elite 8, but you never know. They have the pieces. So on Saturday, they followed that with a nice victory against Arizona State. Again, just outsized them, slow, grinded out game. The seniors, all three of the seniors really held it down. Jonah Matthews, 23 points. Daniel Utomi, 19 points, 10 rebounds. And Nick Rakicevic with 13 points and 11 rebounds. Um, this is quietly the most important week at Trojans basketball. UCLA is going to get a lot of um, national attention, but USC had just as important week. 
if not more important, they're in now, baby. The Trojans uh, really needed the victories that they got this week. They were trending in the wrong direction. They had moved from, you know, solidly in the tournament to right there on the bubble. And these two victories put them back to solidly in the tournament. So um, they have one remaining game against UCLA this Saturday and then the Pac-12 tournament ahead of them. So if they can beat UCLA, then they're going to for sure be in the tournament. If they lose to UCLA and they lose, um, you know, by a large margin in the Pac-12 tournament in their first game, they may be on the bubble and biting their nails on Selection Sunday. But, um, yeah, those victories over Arizona and ASU were big in the ASU game. Uh, Utomi hit, like, four threes in the first, like, five minutes. And it really set the tone, and they never gave up the lead after that, I don't think. So that was big. The guard play, as Nick mentioned, has been inconsistent all year. Ethan Anderson is is also a big part um, that Nick didn't mention. And um, you know, he's a freshman that kind of looks like almost like a linebacker or running back in his ability to hit his shots and also distribute the ball is key to their success. Um, and then, of course, they have the really talented front court of Kosovic and Onkongu. Um, so when and as Nick said, when they're clicking, they they have the potential to make the Sweet 16, or at least win their first game in the NCAA tournament. So we go from the highs to the lows. <laughs> okay, singing career is now underway. I guess. Uh, give me that multi-million-dollar album, baby. I love that noise. Thank you, rap. All right. Um, see, see why we need Dane out here. He he's a beautiful balance. When sometimes. I just do these things, and they're beautiful. But Dane's that perfect balance. So anyway, talking about the Wildcats here, um, 19-10 and 10 overall, 9-7 and 7 in conference, good for sixth place. Thursday, a tough loss at the hands of Trojans. It could be expected because they were playing without Josh Green and Max Hazard. Um, that takes away a lot, a lot of offense. Josh Green's a better all-around player. Hazard's a good shooter. So you lost some big uh, pieces on offense there. Zeke Najee, 15 points and 10 rebounds. Nico Manning at 11 points. Um, they finished... Um, as a collective team with only 48 to end the game. So playing it simple, everyone else struggled. Um, but again, with the loss of, or playing without Josh Green and Max Hazard, this loss can be expected. On Saturday, however, um, this loss shouldn't have been expected or accounted for. And uh, they blew a late lead against the Bruins. Um, as mentioned previously in the show, they outscored 10 to 2 to end the game. Um, this loss could, could, I have this in my notes, this loss could, probably not, but could hurt their chances to make the NCAA tournament. It should be a lock. Um, they'd really need to collapse down the stretch, but it could. It's it's possible. Arizona has lost three straight. Uh, Nico Manning has best game of the year with 19 points, but again, they didn't win. So Max Hazard was back in this contest. Um, Josh Green is not. And I'm going to end because Dane's got in-depth facts about the Wildcats. So he's got you. So the Arizona game against UCLA was um, one of those games where the referees sort of played a, a bigger role than they should have. Didn't decide the game um, for UCLA, but in the second half, when one team attempts 20 free throws and the other team attempts four, um, there's something going on there. It's it's a rivalry game. Both teams are playing very physical, and when you have a, a foul free throw disparity such as that, that just means that they're not calling it both ways. And that's just the bottom line. But Arizona was up four with about two minutes to go. Turned the ball over three times in a row. As a result, UCLA went on their run and UCLA won the game. Earlier in the week, Arizona lost to USC. 
They were down Max Hazard and Josh Green. Um, and so they just didn't shoot the ball very well. It was one of the worst shooting performances of the year and of the Sean Miller era. Um, the injury to Josh Green is week to week, so we're expecting him to be back um, on for this week uh, here in Tucson. And it's sort of one of those injuries that, um, I guess, happened from falling on his hip a few times in the Oregon game. And so if you play on it, then it gets worse. So they sat him out. Um, for one week, and they're expecting him back uh, for this week to finish out the season. And right now, Arizona, I think, is projected as a six seed, probably ends up around a seven or maybe even an eight in the NCAA tournament. All right, and now the following thing here, the L.A. schools were hot. It was cold in the desert this week, as the Sun Devils also had a very tough week, losing both their matchups. They're still 19-10 and 10 overall, 10-6 and 6 in conference, good for fourth place. So on Thursday... Lost on that three-pointer by Jamie Ockes Jr. against UCLA. So lost on the game-winning three against the Bruins. Remy Martin had 30 points, uh, four steals. Rob Edwards had 23 points. And Romello White only finished with four points and six rebounds. So um, a fact or um, statement I want to make about this team as a whole, between Remy Martin, um, what's my dude's first name, Rob Edwards and Alonzo Verge Jr., uh, this team should have enough perimeter scoring to really compete with most teams in the country, make a little run in the NCAAs. Um, but down low, they really only have Romello White, so I believe they go as far as he takes them. He needs to play to his full capability. He's athletic. He's got a little touch. Not a lot of touch, but a little touch. Big body, so, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to go as far as he takes them, plain and simple. And with this loss, I mean, every losing streak has to end. They were probably not as good as a seven-game winning streak would indicate, but they have improved vastly. So on Saturday, they fell bet- uh, on Sat- in their Saturday matchup, they fell by, by 13 against USC. Tried to scrap back, but um, ended up coming up short. Did not have the size um, against USC's front line to hang. Um, Remy Martin, 22 points, four turnovers, four assists. Alonzo Verd Jr. had a tough week, only had six points in this game. And Romello White for nine points and nine rebounds. Um, quiet week for Verge Jr. And again, Romello White must step up if the team's going to go places. The Sun Devils controlled their own destiny. They could have won the Pac-12 for the first time in the history of their program. And they lost both games. Both of them were pretty close. The UCLA game, you know, of course, they hit that last second three on them to win the game. And then against USC, they just couldn't overcome a slow start and claw their way back enough um, to get the victory. They're still a good team. You know, they still have potential to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I think their ceiling is probably the Sweet 16 if they're shooting the ball efficiently. If they're not playing well, they could lose in the first round. Uh, their seed is going to be interesting because they had a fairly poor non-conference, but they've been on a tear the last you know month and a half or so. So how they do in the Pac-12 tournament is really going to determine their seed in the big dance. And so if they're able to win two games in the Pac-12 tournament, that'll be massive for their potential seed. I think... Um, you know, Remy Martin, as Nick mentioned, is the key to them, but also um, the, the side players, the tertiary players, Alonzo Verge Jr. especially um, is big. You know, his ability to score um, basically at will um, off the dribble and one-on-one situations is huge. And when he's uh, playing well, they're one of the best teams in the conference.
All right, man, I've had a lot of fun doing this show. I didn't realize we're on the last two teams already. I, mean, I love March. There's nothing like it. And yes, I'm cutting into the Utes segment because who really cares outside of Utah? And hey, Utes fan base, don't get mad at me because I actually think you guys are some of the best fans in the in like probably the conference, honestly. You guys always show up for football and basketball. But we're looking at the bigger picture here. You're 6-11 in conference and in 10th place. So deal with my remarks. Your fan base is amazing. Your team, not quite so much. So on Thursday... Fell down to 18 points um, against the Cardinal. Uh, rallied back late, but didn't have enough to pull off to come from behind. Um, upset or victory. Probably not upset, but victory. Timmy Allen had 17.7 rebounds, 4 assists. Booth Gotch had 15 points and 5 rebounds. And Brandon Carlson with 12 points and 8 blocks. I had a chance to watch the second half of this game. Carlson was seriously blocking everything. Um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. But bottom line for this type of matchup is uh, played great in the second half. But you can't fall behind by that much if you expect to win uh, conference games in the road. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So, on Saturday, they, they played really freaking good. Um, but they ran into a Cal team who's actually just playing a little bit better. Um, Cal was really balling um, on Saturday. So, never easy to grab a conference road victory again in this matchup. Just prove that. Timmy Allen, 26 points, 8 rebounds. Alfonso Plummer had 23 points. He's coming in hot as of late. And Booth Gotch, 19 points, 6 rebounds. And so, if Plummer and Gotch can... Uh, Keep playing like this in the conference tournament. Utah could be tough to beat. This would really create a nice scoring balance. Utah won their first game of the year on the road against Nevada. They haven't won a road game since. So they've lost every road game in conference. And that's just where they are. They can't win away from Salt Lake City. They usually uh, play pretty well there at the Huntsman Center. And they just haven't figured it out on the road. You know, a lot of it is their their youth but at this point in the season your your freshmen aren't really freshmen anymore and your sophomores are more like juniors so um it's something deeper than just um inexperience and i don't know if they like need to change how they practice what time of day they leave on flights but something needs to be changed for how they you know do their road routines they're going up to um well, actually, I think they're finishing the year out with one final game at home against Colorado. That's right. So they have their rivalry matchup this week. And, you know, they could beat Colorado. Colorado's not been playing that great as of late. And Utah defends home court really well. Um, so that'll be a, a good game. Um, really, that should be a great matchup to watch. And it could go to overtime or it could be, you know, a few points uh, decided in the last minute. And I fully believe Utah can win that game. And on a neutral court, they're they're a big wild card. They could, I could see them winning a game or two in Vegas, uh, simply because uh, it's not a road environment and they tend to play pretty well at home. So that's the wild card aspect. All right, this is one of those teams I've been ragging on. You actually, well, I started with ragging on Stanford this year, then I switched over to UW, and now it is the Buffs' turn. Freaking Buffs, man! I don't like this team. I really don't. They, they make me mad. They, they somehow do. They, this shouldn't affect me like this, but they somehow bother me. And how are you going to lose on Thursday to Cal Handley? You're 10-6 and six in conference, third place in top 25 team. How are you going to get beaten by Cal Handley? I'm not talking a close loss. I'm talking the Golden Bears came protected their home court and blew you out of the gym. And if you want to be considered a good team, we'll win. Like, Colorado's enough of these losses. They blew it against UCLA last week. Um... So this leaves me with the two simple questions. Are they just not that good? Or is Tad Boyle a bad coach? What is it here? Um, they've lost back-to-back games and three of their last five. 
and I'm not throwing out stats for this game because forget them. Whether it's McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay, Deshaun Schwartz, Evan Batty, whoever it is, someone's got to make the plays to win. Give the ball to Batty. That's a big dude, and I like his swag. That's a seriously big dude, man. He'd be hard to box out. So, again, uh, as I mentioned in the Stanford segment, this is recorded recorded. This is recorded before they play Stanford. And, um, yeah, I mean, they need to win. Um, it's not going to be easy to beat a bubble team on the road, as Stanford is. But if you're like who Colorado is supposed to be, win this. I don't care. Win it. Step your game up. Step your ish up. Just win this game. That's all I got. Win or lose, win. Colorado's on their three-game losing streak after collapsing against UCLA. And they really just don't look um, like they're playing with much confidence, mostly on offense. Their defense is still um, what it is and hasn't really changed much all year. The offensive aspect is what's hampered them uh, the last few games. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, the Buffaloes were a lot of the media and just a generalized favorite to win the conference. I said in the very first podcast uh, about basketball that I wasn't convinced and you know that's how it's turned out so um you know they are what they are this is right about what I expected um actually this is almost right at what I expected it might even be a little bit better um than I was predicting so they can still do damage in March Madness I think their ceiling is the sweet 16 if they're playing well if they're playing the way that they are now, they're going to lose in the first round. A lot of that depends on their seed, though. They could um, get a favorable matchup as a six seed, you know, against the twelve seed or whatever matchup that is, and um, you know they could they could potentially win their first game and get to the round of thirty-two. But uh, that game is going to be tough for them to make the Sweet Sixteen. You know, they have the win over Dayton uh, on the neutral court out there in Chicago, which is their best victory of the year. Um, but a lot of their seeding will depend on how they finish the year here against Utah and then in the Pac-12 tournament. So, whew, that was 12 teams. That was a mouthful. There's a lot this week, man. A lot of fun in this podcast. Can we make it longer? Nah, y'all got lives. I know, I know, I know. Okay, so um, again, just to quickly recap, you got your big three takeaways. UCLA is on a seven-game winning streak. Um, I believe they should be in the tournament on kind of that national um, scale or um, level as like Joe Lunardi projections, essentially. Um, they're probably the last four in now, um, last four out. They're a bubble team, bottom line. Um, probably haven't done enough to solidify a spot, but definitely close. Um, definitely on the bubble, 100%. There's seven teams in the conference who could still make the NCAA tournament. Let's see if I can reel them off off the top of my head. Okay, I'm actually scrolling through my <laughs> scrolling through my notes. I'm not gonna lie. So, um, Stanford, UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, um, Colorado, and if I forgot someone, deal with it because I'm not scrolling back through my notes. But six or seven, realistically, probably five, six teams. Um, five or seven is kind of your uh, minimum and maximums. And again, as I mentioned at the top. What an unpredictable year. It's been pretty wild. Um, just, yeah, it's it's been a really interesting year. And um, I would like to say, I think the conference has improved as a whole. I don't think they're as, as top-heavy as we used to be. Um, Colorado, forget about them. They, you already know how I feel about them. Um, UW, obviously disappointed. Arizona's still a little bit young. Um, their young stars just aren't quite there yet. Oregon doesn't have enough outside of Pritchard. 
And uh, the fact that UCLA is first in the conference should tell you that this team, this is not a you know, top-heavy conference. But on the other side of the coin there, or on the other side of the road, or the tracks, however you want to phrase it, this conference is a lot deeper now. Um, Cal is no longer an easy victory. They're, they've won seven conference games. WSU is no longer an easy victory. They've won six conference games. UCLA is back at the top of the conference. Um, Utah, who's not like that talented top to bottom, they've won six conference games. So there's not just these throwaway easy victories. I mean, as much as I ragged on them earlier in the year, the fact that UW's last in conference at 3-13, and 13, um, I wouldn't want to see that team in the, in the um, Pac-12 tournament. That team still has a chance to actually win it talent-wise. Not, not realistically or probable, but just from a talent-wise perspective, they do. So, had to fit a lot into this podcast. Um, and just thank you for listening. You better come back, because if you don't, well, nah, I really don't care. Just thanks for listening, y'all. I'm not going to threaten the viewers, unless you want me to. I mean, then we can arrange something. Hit me up on Twitter. But um, I'm not going to throw out my Twitter handle. Y'all can figure that out yourself. But so, anyway, thanks for listening. I'm going to shoot it over to Dane now to finish it off in Arizona. Um, adios, amigos. Sayonara. Deuces. Ye, ye, ye. All right, yeah, capping it off here in Tucson. It's going to be a wonderful Pac-12 tournament. If you are lucky enough to have purchased a session pass for for all the sessions and um, you got your flight and your hotel booked, this is going to be the best conference tournament in the history of the conference tournament, and I don't think that's an overstatement. Um, Every game is going to be competitive for the first time ever. Uh, and there's going to be buzzer beaters. There's going to be crushed fan bases who don't make the NCAA tournament. There's going to be tons of you know betting opportunities if if you're interested in that, which is always fun to do. Uh, parlay bets, especially on the games for the day, are fun. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a great tournament. There's probably going to be a lot of different fans there. Normally, it's almost all Arizona, and then uh, the next biggest contingents are Oregon and Utah. I think there's going to be, and then Colorado, I think there's going to be fan bases, you know, showing up from all over um, that normally wouldn't. You'll probably see Wazoo fans for the first time there in a long time. Um, you'll see more USC fans than you normally would. And there's going to be a, a contingent of UCLA fans who probably weren't planning on going there, but are going to drive out um, probably Friday. Um, so if they can get, um, you know, through their first game on Thursday, there's going to be a ton of UCLA fans there on Friday who tend to show up pretty pretty well to those to that tournament um, if their team is doing well. So um, bottom line is there's a lot still ahead of everyone, and the whole remaining part of the season is still to go. The best part of the season still remains, and no matter what team you are, you can still make the NCAA tournament, and that's the beauty of it. So this final week of the regular season will determine our conference champion for the regular you know season but um the pac-12 tournament's really where it's at it should be a fantastic event so i'm looking forward to it